Well, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. <clears throat> Amen. Uh, during our midweek uh, Advent services here at Zion this year, uh, we're going to take a look at different perspectives on the Christmas story that we get in the Bible uh, that are told by the gospel writers. And so Matthew, Luke, and John, all three of them say something about the Christmas story, but a great blessing that we have is that each one of them says something a little different, tells a different part of the story, and they all do something great too. They all reveal to us something beautiful and something divine about what happened, what we celebrate this time of year. Today we're looking at Matthew's gospel, and the story isn't nearly as long as the, the story is in the book of Luke. Uh, the Christmas part really is just the verses that we read tonight. It's about five, six, or it's about seven or eight verses in the Gospel of Matthew. But in these very short verses, Matthew tells us something about God, and he tells us something about ourselves. And most especially, he tells something about the Son that he sent to us. And so what I want to do tonight is walk through the reading section by section, and as we do that, we're going to see a couple different things. First of all, we're going to see uh, the lack of human understanding or, or a whole bunch of human misunderstanding about what happens at Christmas. And then we're going to see the truth that God brings and God reveals. And finally, we're going to see a human response. So, so human misunderstanding, God's truth, human response. That's where we're headed for this evening. Let's take a look at the first part. Uh, whoops. <laughs> there we go. Uh, read this part with me if you would. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Being a just man, that's what Matthew chapter 1 says. You know, another way to translate that is righteous. Being a righteous man. In other words, Joseph was a good guy. He was a good guy. He's what we would all call a good guy. That's what scripture tells us. In all likelihood, he was a God-fearing guy. He was somebody who wanted to do the stuff he was supposed to do. He wanted to do it right. And notice also in our reading here, he doesn't want to embarrass Mary. He doesn't want to put her to shame as he could have. You read these verses and you really kind of got to hand it to Joseph. He seems to handle the situation really pretty well, pretty well, all things considered, what he's facing and what he's dealing with. But the other thing that these verses show us is that Joseph also just doesn't get it. These first two verses about Jesus' birth, the first two verses about this story, they're just full of human misunderstanding. Mary was found to be pregnant, probably found to be pregnant by Joseph. And as readers, we know, because Matthew tells us here, that the child is from the Holy Spirit, but almost certainly Joseph didn't know that. He didn't have any idea. He made some assumptions, and he resolved to divorce her quietly because he didn't want any part of whatever it was that was going on with Mary. And part of what we see here is that the human mind, when it sees the things of God, even, even the human mind of a good person, a good guy like Joseph, the things of God don't look right. The things of God don't look understandable. The things of God look wrong. Sometimes they look like things you want absolutely nothing to do with, and as sinful people with sinful minds, this is often still true of us. 
You can point to a whole, different, a whole bunch of different things in our world, but churches are a great example. Churches sometimes look like oppressive places, places that are filled with hypocritical people and not with God at all. Faith often looks to, to the human mind like a set of old-fashioned rules, and Christianity to the human mind often looks like a pretty archaic superstition. But this reading doesn't leave us there. It keeps going, so we're going to keep going to read this next part with me. Whoops, I keep going the wrong way, guys, sorry. <laughs> but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that's the next part of our reading. And see, what, what it shows us here is that in, in the middle of Joseph's misunderstanding, God does something. He doesn't leave Joseph there. God intervenes. The angel comes to Joseph and really tells him kind of two things. One thing he does is reveals the truth behind what's going on with Mary. That which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, God is at work here, Joseph. That's what the angel is saying. God is at work in what seems confusing, in what seems wrong, in what, in what seems like a situation he wants to remove himself from. God is doing the most important thing that is ever going to happen. And the second thing the angel reveals to Joseph is why God is doing this. Why God's doing it. He will save his people from their sins. That's why, why he's named Jesus. God's doing it for that reason. In fact, it's the most important reason. The angel says he's doing it, Joseph, so that you will be saved from your misunderstanding. In fact, so that you will be saved from all of your sins. And think about those two things with me for just a minute. That's big stuff. It's important stuff. Important stuff that's happening in this little stable in the town of Bethlehem. And when Joseph looked at everything that was going on, looked at the evidence that was in front of him, at this woman that he's supposed to marry that's pregnant, and, and he has no idea how it happened, when he looks at that evidence, there is no human way that he would figure this out. You with me? There's no way he's going to figure out what's, what's actually going on. Not in his wildest imaginations would he have guessed that this baby is from God, and this is the Savior. This is the Messiah. And I think that's Matthew's point in telling this story, or at least one of them. See, as human beings with minds that are sinful and natures that are sinful, we just can't grasp the things of God unless God reveals it to us. Here at Zion, we study the catechism a lot at school and in our confirmation classes, and our catechism says this really, really well. It says it this way, I believe that I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel and enlightened me with his gifts and sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. 
you can't come to faith without God doing something. You can't come to faith without God speaking to you. You can't come to faith without the Word of God. And when you have that, everything changes. See, without God, the season of Christmas looks like a nice time to stay inside your family, with your family, exchange some gifts, and, you know, spend some good time around people that you love. But with God, it's not just that. It's something more. It's also a celebration of the one who came to save the entire world. Without God, church looks like a waste of time on a Sunday morning at best. But with God, you figure out that it is the most important thing in our lives because it's the place where God meets us. It's the place where God speaks to us. It's the place that God gives us his gifts in the sacraments, gives to us what Jesus won for us on the cross. See, God today gives you a great gift. God today gives you a great gift right here and right now in the worship service because he's giving you his word. He gives it to you in this message. He gives it to you in these hymns. He gives it to you in the words that our kids are singing to us tonight. He gives it to, it, to you in our responses. In everything that we do here tonight, God is here. God is working on you and on me, revealing who Jesus is, revealing that the one he sent is the one who saves his people from their sins. That's why we do stuff like Christmas programs. That's why we do stuff like worship service, because Jesus saved his people. Jesus saved you, and he saved me from our sins. And tonight, God isn't just revealing it, he's doing it to us. He's giving us forgiveness. He's strengthening our faith. He's doing that here and now, today, in this room, in your heart, and in your life. Just like he did for Joseph when the angel showed up. Okay, last part of the reading. Here's the end. Let's read it together. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did just as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. See what Joseph did? Exactly, almost word for word, what the angel told him to do. And Matthew's point here, I think, is that after God's intervention in our lives, God's grace that he brings to us in the word and in the sacraments, it creates a response in our hearts and in our actions and in our lives. And Joseph gives us an excellent example of what a faithful response looks like. We don't know. I mean, we don't really have much about what happened next, but this may not have been a very easy thing to do. Think about it for a minute. Would people know when the baby was born? Probably. Would they be able to do the math? Probably. Would they ask questions and wonder and talk behind their backs? Probably. I think there's a pretty good chance that this would have been a very difficult thing for Joseph to do, at least in a human sense. And even if they didn't know that, Joseph did. And he's still a human being. He still probably had doubts. And yet he responds in faith. He responds, and this is maybe a better word for faith, he responds in trust to the Word of God. And he trusts God even when it's really hard. So today what God does in our lives, I think, is he reminds us what go what's going on at Christmas. He reminds us that he sent Jesus. He reminds us that Jesus saved his people from their sins. They saved you from yours and me from mine. See, Christmas means that you are his. 
the child in the manger opens the way for you to also be part of the family of, the, of God. And so the question for us tonight that I think we reflect on as we leave here is this. How are you going to respond this Christmas season? How are you going to respond? My prayer for myself and for all of you as well is that we'll follow the example of Joseph. That we'll respond to the word of God in faith and in trust of the God who saved us. My prayer for you and for me is that if things are difficult for you for this Christmas season, and sometimes they are, if they're difficult for, for you, you would turn your eyes and the eyes of your entire family to the manger and to the cross and to the empty tomb and to the God who saved you from your sins and delivered you his gifts in the church and is with you always from the manger to the very end of the age. Amen. Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them steadfast in Christ Jesus. Amen.